I'll just pray for you as you come to speak to us. Thank you, Lord, for Duncan. Thank you for his love for you and his desire to share your love with those around him. Please be with him as he speaks on this tough topic and help us to hear what you have to say through him. So this is the last in our series on tough topics and tonight, yeah, this morning, this morning we're going to think about two very cheerful little questions. <laughs> this is just going to go so well this morning, I can feel it already. My two fantastically cheerful questions this morning are, why is church so difficult and how can we survive it? So there we are. And if you've never asked those two questions, then either you are unusually blessed or you're very new to church. Unless we just quietly fall away from church, I promise sooner or later in our spiritual journey, we will find ourselves asking these two questions. This is my sixth church since arriving in the northeast of England. So I consider myself quite an expert in how to mess things up. But I'm still here. I am still in the game. Fantastic. Before I talk more about church, I've got a question about family. Specifically, I've got a question for you about your family, and my question is this. Who here has a family which is consistently happy, which has no problems or difficulties, no fallouts or no disagreements? Who has a family like that? Anyone on the, on the live stream? No one? My goodness. I guess it's always been true that we try and show off our best self in public. And we keep all the disagreements, and the difficulties and the problems in private. And I guess in this age of social media, that's even more true than it's ever been. But that... That can play games with us, can't it? That can leave us feeling a little bit like everybody else is going along nicely and our life is a mess. It's a lie! Amen? It's a lie! It is a lie. Don't believe it. When the Bible says we're sinners, it really means it. We are all really, really messed up really messed up. Not just a little bit messed up, we are really, really messed up. So when you put together a group of really, really messed up people, you're going to get a real mess. If you know a family that looks too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Yeah? 
Absolutely. If you feel broken this morning, welcome to the human condition. Coming to Jesus does not, of course, make all of our problems magically disappear. So let's read from the Bible again. And Zach, do you want to read the Mark 3 passage again for us? Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him, and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Amen. Sit down for a bit, for a little while. Church is not a building with an organ and with flowers and with a doctrinal statement and with a summer fate. In God's eyes, there is one church. God has a people movement. God's church is everyone everywhere who loves and trusts and follow Jesus. That is God's people. And in the passage that Zach just read for us, Jesus calls us his family. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because we all believe that God is our father. And if we all share a father, that makes us all brothers and sisters. Absolutely. Thank you. And according to Jesus, our spiritual family is even more important than our natural family. Of course, as with all families, our church is made up of deeply broken people, and so it's going to be a mess. And I wonder if that's why forgiveness and grace and love are such a central part of the spiritual life. But there's another thing, isn't it? In our natural families, more often than not, we're quite like each other, really. We're probably from the same culture, speak the same language, we uh, have lots of shared history. We know each other. Have a look around in the room today. What, what an eclectic bunch we are. It's difficult to imagine a more diverse family than us. Church is family. So wherever we have church, we're going to have a mess. But gets worse. Some of us here today still have the pleasure of working. If you are working here today, I want to ask you a question about your job. Who here has a job that is fulfilling, that is trouble-free, and is a joy every moment of every day? Abby, I notice you're not putting your hand up. <laughs> Church is God's people movement. Church is a family. But God and the world and salvation and the spiritual life are all quite complicated things. And we're all trying to get our head around something that is massively bigger than we can cope with. And we all see it a little bit differently. I always reckon that if two people agree about everything at least one of those two people isn't thinking for themselves, yeah? If two people agree about everything, at least one of them isn't thinking 
for themselves. As someone once said, if you find someone who agrees with you about everything about the spiritual life, please don't go to church with them or you'll end up starting a denomination. Sitting on top of God's people movement are all sorts of different ideas about God and the world and church and salvation and the spiritual life. We call that theology, or we call that doctrine, or we call that dogma. And then sitting on top of those understandings, those different understandings, are loads of different organizations and institutions. Yeah? Theology isn't wrong. Organization isn't wrong. You can't get far as a community of God's people without understanding and without organization. Personally speaking, meeting as church in Gateshead in November, I quite like meeting in a building. Yeah, yeah, particularly on a day like this. I don't really fancy an open air today, but you've got a building and immediately you've got dry rot and you've got finance and you've got insurance and you've got building certificates and you've got fire compliance and millions of other things. It gets really, really complicated. So, you have a family, but as soon as you have theology, and as soon as you have doctrine, and as soon as you start thinking about understanding, then people start taking their security from believing they're right about stuff, yeah? As soon as you start having theology, people start getting very hung up on being right. And if our security and theology starts to get bound up with being right, then as soon as we meet someone who sees things even quite subtly different from us, then they are a threat to our security. And then we end up with sectarianism. Now, of course, what we believe is important because it shapes how we live. But if we get to a place where we can't genuinely love and reach out to people who believe things differently to the way we do, then we've got a very serious problem. If our commitment to being a Baptist or an Evangelical or a Charismatic comes before our call to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we have a big problem. Because our desire to be right has stopped us obeying Jesus. So theology is not a bad thing. Theology is a good thing. But if our security gets tangled up with being right, then it becomes a trap to us. It's the same sort of thing with organizations. Organizations are not a bad thing in themselves, but in the world around us, organizations offer us status and offer us security. And if we start to take our security or our status from the church organization of which we're a part, then we're also in big trouble. Suddenly we need titles. We need public recognition. We need to be seen in a certain way. We need success and we need victory and we need authority. Or people might not think very well of us. I remember in my old life, I was a student worker and we would go to weekly meetings and we'd have socials and we'd go on retreats and there was one girl who was part of the group who would always kind of disappear off and get on with 
the jobs that needed doing to make everything work properly. So if we're on a retreat, she would always be off in the kitchen washing up. Or if she was, um, if we were getting ready to leave, she'd be the one kind of sorting everything out and making it neat and tidy. I got intrigued by this. And eventually, I decided I was going to follow her, and I'm going to follow her example. And it was amazing. I found that was an amazing joy and freedom in being able to serve my spiritual family without needing to be seen for recognition. That's a great blessing there. It's, it's kind of the Jesus way. So, three reasons why church is so messy. We're a family made up of very different and very broken people. We all have slightly different understandings of what things mean and how should, things should be and how things should work. And we're part of an organization that we've been trained to think of as offering status and security. We can't avoid theology and organizations, but those things often trip us up. And that's not just an idea. I could write a long list of people I know, a number of whom from this church, who have parted company with church because of those things. But the spiritual life will not work on our own. To give up on church is to give up on the family whose father is God. C.S. Lewis gave a very famous illustration. He said, think of, a, think of a coal fire, and you have all the coals sitting together, heating up and burning brightly. Now imagine take one of those coals out of the fire and put it on its own. And it's amazing how quickly its fire will go out. That's what will happen to us if we stop meeting regularly with our spiritual family. So Zach, could you read Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 10 for us again, please? See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who pro promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. So church is a mess. We guaranteed to get hurt. That's a cheerful thought. But if we choose to give up on church, then we will inevitably be drawn away from God. So how then can we survive church? And I have got four suggestions, but actually they're all the same suggestions said in slightly different ways. So the first one is this. Remember what church really is. Church is everyone everywhere who obeys Jesus because they love and trust him. Here's the thing. Sometimes we change our mind about subtle points of what we believe, don't we? And that's not a bad thing. That can be a very good thing. One theologian famously said, at least a third of my theology is wrong. Trouble is, I have no idea which third. 
third of my theology is wrong. I just don't know which third. Jesus never demanded that we get all our theology right. Hallelujah. We don't have to be right about everything. Praise God. Institutions and organizations and leaders will do really, really, really silly things from time to time and create absolute train wrecks. But the most important thing is not ideas. The most important thing is not organizations. The most important thing is God and our brothers and our sisters in Christ and the world that we're to reach. Theology matters, organizations matter, but let's not get tangled up in them. So first one, remember what church really is. Second one, invest in relationships. If church is not theology or organization but people, then we should invest in our relationships and friendships. I vaguely knew a brilliant lady who did a PhD in theology. And this, this, this lady was an absolute genius. And she got a terrible mark for it. She was really disappointed. So she put in an appeal to find out what had happened. And it turned out that her PhD had completely undone the life work of one of the professors at Oxford University. You can invest in ideas or organizations and it can all be swept away in a moment. But I never regret investing in people, yeah? Remember what church really is. Second, invest in relationships. Third one, expect trouble. If you expect church to be perfect, harmonious, all-sufficient, all-caring, all-knowing, all-problem-solving, capable of telling the difference between a morning and an evening service, you are going to be disappointed, yeah? When stuff goes wrong, it doesn't mean all is lost. It just means things are coming to the surface that God wants to work on. If the theology or the structure falls over, do you know what? It's not the end of the world. Organizations all have life cycles just like people. Let's focus on the people. Don't want to end up as church-hopping consumers, but if we have to move church, it's not the end of the world. So, remember what church really is. Invest in relationships. Expect trouble. Last one. Practice grace. Being part of a church family is going to be an advanced, very practical course in forgiveness, in learning to deal with difference, in things going wrong, in coming to terms with the fact that nothing works properly until Jesus comes again. It's going to be, I'm afraid, a very practical course in learning that death comes before and not after resurrection. So the last point that I'm going to make is from 1 Peter 4 verse 8. And it is this. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So, church is God's people everywhere. On top of that, 
is understandings. On top of that are organizations. The people are what matter. So we need to remember what church really is. We need to invest in relationships. We need to expect trouble. And we need to practice grace. Let's pray. Lord, the world is full of people who have been broken and spat out by churches. And people who have broken churches. And all of them and all of us need your grace. Father, where there are things in our heart that have got broken, help us to forgive and heal us. And I pray that you would help us, above all, to love each other deeply from the heart, to draw on the love that you give us and the forgiveness and the grace that you give us and extend it to each other. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're going to sing our closing hymn. And Chris has very sensibly suggested that a great song for us to sing at this point would be Bind Us Together, Lord. Would you like to stand and we'll sing together? <laughs>